All right, hello and welcome to RealCom's second webinar in the series titled Tracking the Rapid Advancement of AI Maturity in the Commercial Real Estate Sector. I'm Chuck Nicewanger, your RealCom host for today's webinar, Measurable Business Outcomes, Case Studies, and the Future. Last week, we talked a lot about the use cases with AI in uh, commercial real estate with the top uses leaning towards building operations, customer service chatbots, portfolio visualization, attracting new tenants, just to name a few. Today, we'll be discussing business outcomes, real results. But before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have a great webinar experience. First of all, thank you to our live attendees. As you continue to come in, we encourage you to use the Q&A box on the bottom left of your screen to submit questions and comments. We always like it better when you're interacting with us. And so if you've got something on your mind, throw it in there. I'll uh, acknowledge it and pass it on to the panel. If you are experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound, or video quality, the best thing to do is disconnect and click on the webinar link again. You can also email Ian at ithompson, that's I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, at realcom.com for help during the event. But don't worry, you won't miss anything because you'll receive a link to the webinar recording shortly after the event is concluded. Um, and I also included my email address at the bottom of this screen. So if you're watching this as a recording, just send those to me, no matter when you're watching it, and I'll forward them on to our panel. This educational webinar is supported by our outstanding sponsors. We have Predict AP is an AI-powered invoice capture solution built for real estate accounts payable. It leverages historical invoice data and proprietary AI to rapidly code invoices without needless data entry. They refer to it as intelligent invoice capture. Profia is a generative AI-powered uh, portfolio intelligence and lease abstraction platform custom built for empowering asset management and leasing of office, retail, and industrial commercial assets. Profia's AI and machine learning models provide unparalleled insight into your commercial real estate portfolios, empowering you to make data-driven decisions with confidence and ease. VTS unifies owners, operators, brokers, and tenants in commercial real estate to capitalize on opportunities revealed in every square foot of their properties. BTS allows these key teams to work together in a single platform with unparalleled speed and intelligence. MAPT is the independent data layer for people, places, and things, accelerating the digital transformation of multiple data sources. Now, anything that generates data, devices, sensors, apps, and more, is accessible quickly, easily, and securely. Let's hear a little bit more from Matt with this video. All right, and we are really grateful for the contributions by these technology partners to our industry, to Realcom, and to helping us educate our viewers in sessions just like these. If you've tuned in to learn how to make your processes more efficient, learn about AI, 
you'll certainly want to include these vendors in your vendor evaluation process. Before we get started with our panel, let me bring on Jim Young, Realcom CEO, for a special message about AI in our industry. Welcome, Jim. Chuck, thank you. And uh, thanks for doing such a great job with these webinars. At, at the speed everything is going, we simply cannot wait for our conference You know, once a year, twice a year, our, our core tech conference in the fall. We, we, these conversations have to be going on daily. So thank you for, for the great job you're doing. Very welcome. Yeah, I wanted to, to, to kind of bop into your webinar real quick, um, as I did last week, just to set some context, right? Um, AI has, has come like a whirlwind. And as a result, there's a lot of people, smart people, who are, are kind of like running at the speed of light trying to figure out what is going on. So I just wanted to present a little context. I'm, I'm a big fan of context because when you're in that maze, you know, trying to find the left or the right door, if you're if you have the ability to, to stand above that maze and take a snapshot of it and see where the door is, you might have a little better luck getting in, you know, getting out. So I thought we would do a quick history lesson on uh, on AI uh, all the way up to today, and just to give you all some uh, some perspective. So the conversation kind of starts in the 50s with Turing. You know, really it was computer machinery intelligence. He was thinking conceptually what how smart could a machine get. Then uh, we jump to um, let me put my glasses on so I don't get the wrong date. Uh, we jumped to 1955, uh, Dartmouth uh, workshop on artificial intelligence is really the first time I think the word was used. Jump all the way to 65, Edward Fingenbaum and Joshua Letterberg created the first expert system, whatever that was, right? Certainly not expert by today's standards. And then let's jump all the way from 1965 to 2016 because in, in PS, there was a ton going on in Silicon Valley and other places from the late 80s, 90s. I mean, AI just did not show up overnight, right? But the first time our industry, real, you know, the real estate industry, commercial and corporate, had a conversation was May of 2016 at Realcom. And we had four people on the stage, including Cade Metz, who was the reporter for Wired Magazine, who was in the room when uh, Deep, Google's DeepMind uh, beat the Korean Go champion, you know, complex Korean game. and. What I remember, like it was yesterday, Kate saying, I was sitting right behind the programmers and I heard them ask each other, do you know what's going on? Do you know what it's doing? And they said, no, we don't, okay? And, and he said he was just taken by the guys who created this stuff were unaware of what the machine was doing and why. And, and that's has stuck to me the, to this day. Unfortunately, our industry kind of took the hiatus on the topic like many did up until November of last year when the whole world lit up with JetGBT. And so that's what, 14 year or you know, six years from 2016 to 22, that it kind of laid dormant in a lot of industries. Smartest people were behind the scenes, but boom, 2022 was where it all, all lit up. Then we fast forward to Realcom. It was an overwhelming popular topic in session rooms, conversations in the hall, in the general session. And then after the conference, people just said, we can't wait. We got to keep talking about this. So we created an AI advisory group. Uh, and and we just goes on monthly now. We're just sharing case studies and trying to wrap our, our heads around this. And then because of that momentum, we decided to, to create Buildings AI in November of 23 uh, this year, a couple of weeks from now. And, and do we have all the answers? Absolutely not. Are we going to solve all the problems? No. Are we going to come away with more questions? Absolutely. But what we said, we can't wait till June of next year, Realcom and IBCon. So we piled uh, a day um, after Cortec, uh, you know, uh, Cortec 23, the real commercial or the corporate real estate facilities and workplace event. 
So we, we kind of joined the two together. We're going to talk about corporate real estate facilities and workplace day one. And then we're going to go right into everything AI for the built environment day two, right? So just look at some of the people. I mean, the who's who of the real estate industry dealing with this are going to be in the room, okay? Uh, these are the early adopters, the people working on this for years. They're going to be giving their insights. We're going to be doing case studies some demonstrations. All the vendors, the, the Yardies, the MRIs, the VTSs are all going to be in the room. Uh, the big platform uh, folks, Johnson Controls on the building automation side. And I know I'm forgetting some. I apologize. But let's just go quickly through the program. Uh, you know, our industry, the tech industry, CBRE, JLL, they're going to be talking about it. We got generalists, Microsoft's uh, built environment AI person is going to be there. We've got McKinsey, we've got Gartner um, uh, to talk about the high level stuff. Then we're going to talk about you know creating an AI strategy. Then then we got SCSD coming in. It's going to talk about governance and what's going on in DC. They're tied right into the White House and Congress. Data architectures, can you do AI without data architectures? No, governance, uh, again, data, building your AI team, in-house, out-house. And then of course, lots of case studies, you know, where people have been experimenting. So, um, you know, it, it all came together very quickly. Howard and his team, Sarah, Sherry, uh, and others have done a phenomenal job. And um, we're just doing our best to keep up with and get the right people in the room to advance all the conversation. Right. All right, Jim, 30 more seconds. I got a quick question for you, because we've, uh, we, you know, we've got I a lot of people on this webinar. I would suspect more than 50% are senior executive decision makers in their company. We're gonna take a poll here shortly and see that. What should people take away, not only from this, we've got great people on this panel, we've got great people that we've had in this series, people can go back and look at part one, you've got this group coming in and buildings AI, should they be sitting back and, and letting this group set the standards for commercial real estate? Should they kind of pay close attention, but be more fast followers? Or is is this group going to be the ones that sets the industry, including the vendors? I see Yardi and I see several of them on there. Uh, what what should the takeaway be for the well, viewers of this live and recorded? So so I'll go I'll go back in time. You know, 1995 ish. Um, how did your company? How did you, as an IT professional, as a business executive, how did you react to the internet? Did you sit around and wait? You know, you know, where you is your website still got ugly HTML on it? Just about every single vendor who's going to be part of this has now migrated their platforms to the cloud. They started native or they migrated. So look at what happened from 1995 to today. If you're not robustly using the internet for your business enterprise or for your front end communications or for that matter running your buildings, where are you? Okay. Same thing with AI. And and I know it's fast, I know it's furious, I know it requires money, budget, resources. But you can't sit on the sidelines. And even if you're not going to be one pouring the money in and, and having a huge team, you can at least be in the room listening to those people who are, and you can take away from their wisdom and their resources and their budgets how to how to align. The goal of getting this done in, in the fall of 23 is to allow some people a little insight to get their budgets and their plans together for 2024. Uh, and this is helping us plan for 2024. You just wouldn't want to miss it. All eight right. hours of focused conversation all right sounds great jim thank you for your comments while you're off maybe you can come up with a promo code for our group here <laughs> we will we will do that we will absolutely all right, do very that. Good. thank you so let much me, appreciate let it let me bring on our moderator sundar papu sundar's the senior vice president and head of technology and strategy at inland real estate group hey sundar hi there chuck how you doing I'm good. I'm good. Hey, before we get started, we've got a lot of people on this. This I'm going to run a quick poll. Let's just see what the audience is made of. This is going to take about 
30, 40 seconds. Everyone knows their position in your company. We'd just like to see, pick the one that cl most closely represents your position, who you are, or maybe who you wanna be. Uh, that's any of that's all real good. And that'll give you an idea, Sunder, a little bit too, if you need to adjust your conversation in any way. All right, let's do that. Hopefully they've had uh, enough time and we'll check the results. There you go, 48, 54% both executive IT data science uh, and buildings HR, uh, only about th a third as consultants, vendors and others. So there you go, Sunder, I will uh, kick it over to you and uh, I'll see you at the end, thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Um, and uh, thanks to everyone who's actually joined this particular call, uh, this webinar today. So um, the first in the series that we talked about at a high level, you know, what, you know, from a overall perspective, what is happening. Um, so in this particular webinar, we'll basically be looking at, you know, how do you actually help track the rapid advancement um, from a, of the AI maturity in the commercial real estate uh, space. So before I actually go into uh, giving a, a quick synopsis, um, you know, I want to actually echo what Jim was saying earlier. Um, if you haven't actually done this, please actually take the time to actually see the, the kind of speakers that are actually coming to Buildings AI. And, you know, it'll be you know, about eight hours that's dedicated just to this particular program. And it actually helps even for a company that hasn't started at least to actually take a look at, you know, how they can be able to pivot you know, from where you are into the AI strategy across the board, right? So I think that would be something that I would basically have people take back from this particular conversation. Now, with regards to the overall, uh, you know, like coming back to this particular webinar, you know, I think first and foremost, I think from an industry perspective, the way I would look at it is, um, you know, the industry, the commercial real estate industry needs to, you know, as a group actually needs to assess the AI's impact by quantifying tangible business outcomes. So this basically means evaluating efficiency gains, you know, cost reductions, revenue enhancements, achievement, uh, you know, that can be achieved through the implementation of AI technologies. Uh, you know, I was at the recent Gartner conference and, you know, there was a, the whole conference was dedicated to, you know, AI and how AI is being applied. You know, if you look at it, if you break it up into two halves, the first half basically talked about, you know, from a backend process perspective and also from a front-end side of things, how you can actually help your customers and other things. And from a backend process side of things, how you are actually driving value back to your businesses. And then forward-looking, if you look at like, you know, how, you know, you are using AI, to help you know, drive your business processes. So part of that is client case studies, you know, part of that, you know, which actually do play a pivotal role in understanding you know, how the real world applications and successes uh, that will drive something within our industry. So uh, given all that, I basically, you know, looking to the future too, um, you know, it's essential to stay ahead of this rapidly evolving landscape uh, of AI within our industry and, and also anticipating you know, what the upcoming trends are, such as integration of advanced analytics, machine learning, and 
artificial intelligence into the decision-making processes and, uh, and how we as a group of individuals can adapt these strategies. Um, so without further ado, I'll be, you know, we have a great uh, program here today uh, with uh, industry folks and also vendors who are actually doing a lot within this particular space. And um, I would like to start off by introducing uh, Gary Bailey. Gary works for uh, Philip Citizen. And Gary, do you want to, uh, you know, I'll turn it over to you for a full introduction and um, let's get the ball rolling here. Absolutely, thanks, Sunder. Hi everyone, I'm Gary Bailey with Phillips Edison and Company. We are an owner and operator of grocery anchored neighborhood shopping centers across the US. I've been with NIT for over 25 years with 18 of them in commercial real estate. Phillips Edison is a full service owner and operator with our own internal departments to service our portfolio 100%. We have always been a technology-focused organization. Technology for us is about driving efficiency for our back office teams, whether it is through traditional IT applications, process automation, predictive analytics, or artificial intelligence. AI for us is just another efficiency tool in our IT tool belt. So can you tell me about your AI journey at Philips Edison, Gary? Sure, absolutely. But I thought it might be a little more fun to hear about our journey from my AI clone rather than from me. AI, can you answer Cinder's question for me? Please use the information from my slide to generate your answer and convert that audio to sound just like me. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I'm here to talk about the generative AI journey at Phillips Edison and Company, a leading owner and operator of grocery anchored shopping centers in the US. Generative AI is a branch of artificial intelligence that can create new content or data from scratch, such as text, images, music, code, etc. It has many applications and benefits for various industries and domains. At Phillips Edison, we have been exploring and experimenting with generative AI since December of 2022, when OpenAI's ChatGPT took the internet by storm. ChatGPT is a powerful AI model that can generate realistic and engaging text and images based on a given prompt or context. We were inspired by ChatGPT and decided to start our own AI ideation discussions with internal department heads in January of 2023. We wanted to find out how we could use generative AI to improve our business processes, enhance our customer experience, and drive innovation. In February of 2023, we began our IT proof of concept application development derived from the department head discussions. We developed several prototypes and demos using generative AI models and tools such as ChatGPT, GPT-4, TensorFlow, and PyTorch. In June of 23, we had our town hall AI demo to all associates, where we showcased some of our first production applications using generative AI. These included a private internal only secure instance of ChatGPT for all associates to chat with each other and get answers to common questions, and an industry award-winning leasing generative AI application built directly in our ERP platform that can generate customized lease proposals and contracts based on the tenant's profile and preferences. In July of 2023, we formed our AI champions group comprising of at least one AI passionate associate from each department to further innovate ideas and foster a culture of learning and collaboration around AI. In September of 2023, we released Bing Chat Enterprise to the entire organization with ChatGPT4 capability. 
Bing Chat Enterprise is a chat-based interface that allows us to chat with our documents and web pages, get relevant information, summaries, insights, and recommendations from them. It also has the ability to return current events and news related to our business and industry. Additionally, we launched AskEthics AI Policy Chatbot built in SharePoint available for all associates. AskEthics is a chatbot that can answer questions about our ethical standards and policies using natural language processing and understanding. In November of 2023, we are developing generative AI models to extract and automatically code invoices in our accounts, payable platform, and extract utility usage information from our utility invoices to populate our ESG dashboards. These models will help us save time, reduce errors, and improve efficiency and accuracy in our accounting and sustainability reporting. As you can see, we have been on an exciting and rewarding journey with Generative AI at Philips Edison. We have seen how Generative AI can help us create new value, optimize our operations, enhance our customer service, and foster innovation. We believe that Generative AI is not only a powerful technology, but also a creative partner that can augment our human capabilities and potential. We hope that you are inspired by our Generative AI journey and that you too can use AI in your business to achieve your goals and vision. Thank you for your attention. Hey Gary, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, can you tell the users as to what they just witnessed? Yeah, that was pretty fun, wasn't it, Cinder? Yes, yeah, definitely. I created, I created the seven bullets on the slide deck that you saw on the left. Everything else was 100% AI generated. I used Bing Chat Enterprise from Microsoft to extract the text from my slide, and I told it to create a script for a presentation that describes the AI journey at Philips Edison. I then copied the text that AI created, and I ran it through an AI voice cloning software from Eleven Labs that was trained on my voice. That was pretty cool. Yep. So. Uh, how accurate was the information that was provided? Are we 100% sure that the information provided was accurate there? I mean, honestly, it was it was pretty spot on. I, I would say 95% of what it gave was accurate. It did make some things up though to fill in the gaps. Like we've never used TensorFlow or PyTorch during our development and its explanation of our leasing AI application was a little off base. But for this example, I took the output as is so that you could see that AI can really lay the groundwork for you with very little guidance. Got it. Uh, and then, you know, I would say 95% is uh, is pretty good right now. So, so what is, you know, is PK okay with that level of accuracy? And are you doing any additional things to help you build your confidence around AI? Yeah, I mean, for some things, this level of accuracy is just fine. Like our, our marketing initiatives, I mean, we want AI to think differently than we do. We want it to be creative. But for other things, we, we, need, to, we need AI to ensure that it provides accurate information. One example of this is the chatbot that we developed called Ask Ethics that is only trained on our internal policy and procedures documents. It has limited knowledge and we make sure that it always cites the source of the answer that it gives. So whatever is generated can be human approved. Wherever information accuracy is required, we'll develop purpose-built models that have knowledge boundaries and cite their sources. This is really how we're building AI trust through our organization. Can you tell a little bit about your AI champions group that you started within your company and um, you know how that has contributed to your success and building new applications? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have an incredible cross-functional team of 15 individuals who all volunteer to be part of this group to help educate the entire organization on AI. It's a bit of a like train the trainer approach. We meet bi-weekly and we keep them up to speed on the latest technologies. We teach them critical skills like prompt engineering and work with them to uncover new use cases for AI. 
this technology is moving so quickly that we, we, we need to lean on our AI champions to help spread the word throughout the rest of the organization. So have there been any challenges uh, in your journey? Yeah, I mean, I would say our biggest challenge has been trying to explain what AI is and what AI isn't to our associates. Everyone falls back on traditional process automation or predictive analytics use cases, not really true generative AI use cases. We look at this as a positive rather than a negative. These exercises have uncovered other business problems that can be solved with other tools in our IT tool belt. Having your internal teams examine their business processes is never a bad thing, and Gen AI doesn't fit everywhere. It's about matching the right technology to the right business problem. Gary, uh, there was a uh, there's a question that I think uh, you know because your voice was kind of replicated in AI. What is the danger for it actually being used unethically? Yeah, I mean that's that's really the challenge with AI, and I think uh, you know the the governance around it is going to be key to this and, and identifying what's been generated by AI. There's going to have to be tells within it. You know, I've made jokes with with my family members that we need to have a code word uh, just so we know that we're talking to the right person. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's to, it's to be seen what, what what governance is going to be wrapped around this, but I definitely think that it, that it needs to be. Okay. And what's next up in, uh, in the Pika world as far as AI is concerned? So we've already implemented the internet facing side of Gen AI with Bing Chat we've started to turn our focus towards surfacing our internal data with AI. We're going to focus our efforts on creating internal purpose-built models like Ask Ethics and ensure that we stay aligned with our vendors to avoid recreating the wheel. We believe in the near future, every line of business application will have an AI assistant built in and natural language query will be the preferred user interface to the underlying data. Traditional dashboards and reports will be simple citations for the AI responses. Our job is to bring, bridge the gap where these assistants don't exist and connect them in a way that empowers our associates to make more reliable, informed decisions at a pace that we've never seen before. Okay. Thank you, Gary. Uh, I will bring you back in uh, at the very end when we actually uh, bring all the other panelists uh, to have a Q&A uh, based on the questions that we get from the audience and also a few questions that I will actually ask the, the panelists at the time. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Gary. And next up, I would basically uh, bring in um, uh, Josh Bradshaw. Uh, Josh uh, actually works uh, at um, Visa. And Josh, do you want to introduce yourself and uh, we can get going here? Sure, thanks, Sundar. And uh, thanks everyone who's been presenting so far and Jim and Howard always for the opportunity to engage. Um, I'm at Visa, I'm the Global Head of Workplace Innovation. And I've been here coming up on five years leading technology here. And of course, been in the real estate technology industry since coming out of college in 2005. So I've been around the block, seen a lot of the things at least since 2005 that Jim's seen. And then a, a few things earlier, including, you mentioned 1995 and I thought back, what, what did I do in 1995, Jim? And in 1995 or 1996 in my high school, they got the internet um, and I hacked it. I went in and networked all the printers and figured out how to make that thing work. And I went and told the, the teacher that was administering it what I'd done. And I said, by the way, there's this thing called network security and you need to turn it on. <laughs> so uh, that, that was after he'd asked me if I could see the principal's computer and change grades. And I said, yeah, but I don't need to change my grades. <laughs> so, um, so for many people, uh, the topic of today's webinar is new. Um, you know, some are actually far ahead, you know, most of them, I would say, 
are still grappling with this. And so it may be surprising to learn that Visa, which has been using AI for a long time, right? So can you actually tell us about, you know, what Visa's journey, uh, AI journey is to, to the audience here today? Yeah, it's a great story, actually. Visa's been using AI since 1993. So we're talking about over 30 years of using AI, and it was used for fraud detection on the payment network. And, and many of us have received a notification from our credit card uh, about something related to fraud detection. Um, and we were the first payment network to deploy that. Uh, and since that time, we've invested over $3 billion in AI and data infrastructure in order to support the initiative. Great, three billion, that's a big number out there. So. So there are things that Visa is doing now that we can talk about in this particular segment. So can you share some of the things, you know, more recent things that Visa is doing? And can you set the stage for some practical examples that, you know, that we can discuss as we as we go along in this particular conversation? Yeah, sure. So earlier this year, uh, Visa deployed an internal instance of ChatGPT or GPT-4. We as employees, every employee has the opportunity to use this tool. We can sign in and we can ask it anything. Um, and because it's a private instance, we have the ability to ask it things that might be a little bit more confidential and discuss things that where we wouldn't be disclosing things to a public AI about our business. Um, and the leadership's goal really is that we would be all using this in order to improve our productivity. Um, another thing is uh, there was an article titled Visa Launches $100 Million Generative AI Ventures Initiative. This was a press release on our website. So I asked our internal um, instance of uh, ChatGPT to make a one paragraph summary of that article, which I'll read to you. Visa, Visa announced a $100 million initiative to invest in companies that develop generative AI technologies, shaping the future of commerce and payments. This initiative extends Visa's leadership in using AI in the payments industry and builds on a history of innovation since 1993. Visa Ventures, the global corporate investment arm of Visa, leads this initiative, reflecting a belief in generative AI's transformative potential for commerce and payments. Now, obviously, I wasn't as fancy as Gary having the AI generate my voice and do it, but the AI did a really good job of summarizing that article and what Visa is doing with Visa Ventures in investing in this space. Got it. So these are exciting. These are exciting things. A lot of excitement that has been built around these new technologies that can probably end up being cool. Um, but some may not be as useful. Right. So and chat GPT for that. It seems to be one where, you know, there may be some real value that can be created. Uh, something that I learned at the Gartner conference too. And so, can you actually share some e examples that you you think that can be, you know, you, that you can talk about, and then some things that you want to that that we are talking about that that'll be showcased at the inaugural uh, Building AI conference. Yeah. We will be, uh, I'll be there presenting a couple of case studies uh, and I'll touch on some of those here. So let me tell you about the first day because of course I'm an early adopter, guilty here. Uh, the first day they made the internal instance of ChatGPT available, I logged in and I'm like, okay, now what do I ask it related to work? You know, Because I'd played with it before, um, but not related to work. 
And earlier that morning, somebody had brought up um, in, a, in a team meeting uh, something about one of the offices that was considering some changes regarding flex, flexed seating and fixed seating in the office. So I was like, okay, this is the topic on my mind. I just typed it in to the, the AI and I asked it, can you, you know, give me analysis of flexible seating, give me an analysis of fixed seating and compare the two and show me the benefits of each of these. Uh, and it did, and it just sped it out. And it was as if I, and I mean, I have as in the industry, I've heard the arguments for flex or fixed over and over. And we know where our industry is on this topic, but that AI popped out information as if it was one of our leading experts in flex and fixed space in the world. And it was really, interesting to see. And then I asked it, I said, well, at Visa, we have a, a set of leadership principles. Um, here are the leadership principles. Can you tell me which of these seating methodologies, flex versus seating, aligns better with the leasing or with, with the Visa leadership principles? And it did. And, and it made a, a substantive case for uh, the answer. So uh, we're, we're, I, I took that information paste it into an email and send it to the person who asked the question. I said, here's what ChatGPT says. They were brought this up in the meeting because they were preparing a presentation for executives at Visa regarding this location and the location strategy. They used that information to refine word selection and uh, that content was used in the slide deck that went to Visa executives. Oh, nice. So, uh, so what did uh, ChatGPT say is the answer then? Flex or is it fixating that came out of that? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think that's uh, always the, the question. And I will reveal the answer at the conference when we do the case study. Ah, okay. um, so, so a little bit of a teaser there for you. But what I want to point out here for this, for this conversation here is a couple of things. First, when I used the AI, the first day I used it, I was ethical in my use of the AI, meaning I copied and pasted from it or I disclosed that I was using it when I was replying regarding a topic. So that's one thing about AI is that we be ethical when we're using it. And beyond that, it's just this is a real example of a problem that comes up in our industry where we need some information, we need to refine it, and then we need to present it. These things happen all the time. I had one this week where a proposal came across my desk for something that would have cost us $18,000. I popped it into AI, sent the responses to the people who are looking at it, and now we're considering not using the vendor because we have something that came out of the AI that we can use. And these things can be used at any level in a company. It's a very, very powerful tool that it, we're trying to, inside of Visa Corporate Services, increase usage and share share the link and and get people inspired to use this tool and allow it to help them and assist them in their work got it um that's pretty cool as to what you what you guys are doing so you mentioned two case studies so what's the second case study inside visa i'm working on a project supporting visa's inclusion and diversity efforts I'm the training lead for what is called the Inclusive Technology Terminology Team. And for many of you, this may be the first time you're hearing about Inclusive Technology Terminology, but essentially what it is is stepping away in technology from naming our databases and objects things that are historically um, based on race or other discriminatory pra practices. For example, um, using master and slave, like a master database, or um, whitelist and blacklist. So I've used ChatGPT to assist in that work. 
And I asked it to generate training content as well as several other things associated with the project and the team has used it as well. And it came up with a seven segment training um, with a description of everything that needed to be done in that training. And then I asked it, I said, take all these seven segments and fill it out, fill it out with the script that you, you think we should use in this. And it did, it populated everything, including using expert advice and quotes. And we're going to take that information. We're not done with the project yet, but we're going to take that information and refine it into the internal training that we'll be creating for our employees regarding using inclusive technology terminology. Awesome. Now, oh yeah, go. Okay, no, go, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I was, I was going to mention one other thing is that uh, that, uh, that leads me to another teaser for the, the event where we're going to talk about this uh, example and a word in our industry that we use, that we use the term master systems integrator. So we have to figure out if that is, um, and maybe AI will help us, uh, if that is a proper use of the word master by uh, like the master's degree use of master, or if it maybe is a word that we might want to change. And so I'll reveal that result uh, during the case study at the conference as well. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. And, uh, you know, thanks for your insight into this particular topic. So, you know, I'll bring you back in, uh, you know, and we actually open it up with, with all the other group of people there. So, thanks. thank you. Thanks. Uh, the next, uh, basically, we'd like to um, bring in, um, you know, basically, let's actually see a, um, um, a, a video about Profia, and then we can actually have a chat with Jeremy Bergeron, who's the Director of Sales at Profia. Built specifically for CRE. Profia's AI-powered data extraction and analytics platform allows users to access, manage, and analyze validated portfolio data like never before. With a simple drag and drop, advanced technologies go to work reading, interpreting, and extracting nearly 200 real estate-specific data points, while simultaneously creating hyperlinks between each data point and its exact source. After a diligent, human-led quality control process, the data is then populated into Profia's intuitive platform. All right. Thanks, everybody. Um, as you read the slide, we're an AI-powered uh, lease data management platform that's uh, custom-built for asset management and operations. And to kind of orient everybody, we focus specifically on commercial leases, retail, office, industrial, and we focus just on the owners and investors in the space. And as I, I'm kind of transitioning to my first slide, um, the way that we think about it is lease data is used both throughout the organization as well as throughout the asset lifecycle, as kind of indicated, uh, indicated here on the screen. However, for most customers that we work with today, this data either lives in spreadsheets or in silo departmental systems. They're typically rigid, pretty rigid and weren't designed to handle the breadth of information or applications to support all these teams simultaneously. Uh, a good example of this is like accounting systems, like JD Edwards as an example. Really good for financial billing, not very great to support leasing and asset management teams. So what uh, the goal is today is what I'm gonna explain is just kind of going over some customer case studies of why uh, owners and investors come to us and what the return on investment typically looks like. So the first one we use is example is RXR, one of the most um, notable landlords in, uh, in New York City. They actually came to us in this case study is really the opposite of normal. 
Again, most customers come to us because the portfolio lease data, they don't have a trust in it across their different departmental teams that use it for leasing and investment decisions. RxR was the opposite. They knew their data was extremely accurate. However, what their challenge was the volume of resources, both manpower and money that it was taking to not only just ensure that the baseline lease data was accurate across, the, across all their documents, but the real tr trouble was moving that data real time across the organization to support those leasing and investment decisions or for investor and executive reporting. It was really sucking up all their teams and uh, they were looking for a different strategy. So along with coming to Profia, their, their way that they tried to tackle this was look for both industry built solutions uh, that handle this information with NAI powered as well as more horizontal or cross industry solutions like Microsoft. Um, they also talked to their industry peers in New York City uh, just to see if anybody had a better mousetrap that they've either designed internally or a vendor system they'd gone with. Um, and at the end of the day, they decided that we were the best solution to go in and look at. So what they, from a testing perspective, it may be something to learn here. What they did to, to start is to give us their hardest leases as well as their most complex buildings. And the idea here for learning for others is they said, if you could handle our most impactful edge cases where these really make meaningful leasing and investment uh, outcomes, then you can handle the rest of this. In addition to this, because you're supporting multiple teams, once this data is fed through your application, if all the different reporting and intelligence is valuable, then we've really got something here and we're willing to implement this. So what was really important about RxR's decision is not only to go and move forward and execute a pilot, but they predetermine what happens when this is successful and what are our metrics that we want to make sure that we have. So what I thought was really the turning point is this, is that we put four or five buildings on after we handled their, their biggest leases. And what really came out is they said, this is successful, everybody wants to move forward. But the real key decision was, how do we move quickly and move this to our entire portfolio? Because the risk was that if we don't do that, then everyone will go back to the old ways of doing things today, which soak up a lot of time and the adoption thing will not happen because we're only doing this with partial portfolio. So long story short, the success is they've implemented this and things are going well. I think the results and the ROI that they're getting is that we're driving both very fast leasing and capital market decisions. Um, a good example just for leasing is just being able to clear, you hear a lot of times, clear rights and encumbrances quickly to move leases to the next stage. We can do that within minutes where historically that was taking customers days or even weeks to get back to an interested party. Also, just from a risk management perspective, the ability to have visibility, visibility across the portfolio, things that are in their contracts that are upcoming that could really impact cash flows or investment performance was really key here. Speeding through maybe the, the two final examples, the next one that we're used a lot on is diligence uh, during acquisitions. This is a, a well-stated use case, so I won't belabor all the, a lot of the details that you hear, I did with RxR, but essentially you have a short time frame. One of our customers is URG, Urban Renaissance Group, they were acquiring a mall, so 100 leases. They needed it, the data in 10 days um, for financial diligence. So with using AI and technology, able to get all the information not only out of those leases, but put it into a database that all their, their uh, collective parties, URG acquisitions, their JV partners, lenders, et cetera, could all use to make decisions quickly and also uh, make sure that they uh, – they could hand it off to the asset management and leasing teams and wipe their hands clean as soon as the, the acquisition was over. And the result is just giving people a lot of time back during this very crucial and, and tough time period. And also just setting up the business teams for success as soon as you close the deal, instead of this really big file dump over getting to the to people that are going to be managing the asset. And finally, I know I'm running a little bit short on time here, but the last one is with FD Stonewater uh, out, of, uh, out of the mid-Atlantic region. And they came to us really with the idea, starting with uh, acquisition diligence, but really is the idea is how do we empower our leasing teams?
specifically to get more decisions made around leasing and get them done faster. And just a little bit of the ethos of, of FD Stonewater is they run a very lean team and they think about how do we grow our portfolio size or so our revenue without adding incremental head cost, uh, headcount cost um, along the way. And really they lean on technology first and technology to scale fast as they grow. That's what their leasing teams really love is that being able to dig in and make fast decisions quickly in a platform that everyone can log into and look at the same information. And their kind of belief is that if we can get everybody on this common intelligence database, then we can move smarter and faster. And over time, the increased amount of decisions that we get to make that are valuable to the company will start to differentiate our performance from those from our competitors. Um, so that's a couple of our case studies and the return that our customers are getting. And I'll hand it back to, to Sunder. Thanks for the opportunity. Great. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks, Jeremy. So, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, I have a couple of questions that I thought I'll run by you. So looking ahead, where do you see the interact, uh, the intersection of AI and commercial real estate ma data management going? And how do you think your company is prepared to lead in this landscape? I, uh, I am probably going to botch this quote. It's a but like I was listening to a podcast with CBRE's CTO and they basically said like the misnomer is that people think of like data as the new oil. And I, how did he say? He said, actually, data is the new crude oil. There's actually a lot that happens behind the scenes to get crude oil to gasoline where it could be useful and valuable. And what he said was that if data is the new crude oil, then structured data or trusted enterprise data that's accessible by all is that new gasoline. And I think going back to your question, like what will start to separate companies is those that are able to refine the, the crude oil, which is these siloed enterprise data systems and turn it into gasoline, that trusted structured data actually probably fuels their AI engine and which is really filling the car. So they get to deliver productivity across all different business units and also elevate their decision-making by having data sets that currently, like, currently can't talk to each other and get into intelligence to make faster decisions. And I think the second part, not to, I probably won't try to, you know, uh, give too much of a commercial for Profia, but you ask how could Profia potentially be a leader in this? And I think the way that we think about it is the unit of value of measurement in commercial real estate is the asset itself. That's what everyone's valuing to make their decision. And a major part of the value of how that's derived is actually the contracts that are underlying that asset. So the revenue, the leases, which is what we handle today, the debt and the equity financing, the loans and the JV agreements, as well as the expense contracts. Um, and so we've started with the revenue, the most complex part, and had that source of data. All of our data from the document links to all of our applications. So, and we have the largest uh, large language models for commercial real estate leases. So we put in this structured environment that um, has a ton of application for owners and lenders. And as we'll be expanding this really quickly into loan agreements and other the other contracts I mentioned, you start to have a pretty powerful data set to mix with the other things that um, that our customers really value. Great, thank you, thank you, Jeremy. And then I'll bring you back again on the. Uh... Now, when we all, when all the panelists come together, I have a few other questions that I want to run by you at the time. Cool. Thanks, Senator. Thank you. Thanks. Um, next on, I basically do want to actually, uh, we want to show a quick video on VTS and then uh, want to bring in Swarupa uh, Penicola Party. Um, so I will, Swarupa, nice meeting you. And then uh, I'll let you actually take this on for now. Thank you, Sundar. Um, a quick introduction about myself. Uh, I'm Swarupa Penikalapati. I'm Chief Technology Officer at VTS. Um, I have a deep background in technology with um, healthcare, finance, and real estate industries. Um, since joining VTS, my focus has been in driving innovation uh, and especially integration of our uh, tenant experience platforms, Activate, 
which has recently launched. Uh, before I dive into the case study, let me start with a brief introduction of BTS. Um, BTS is the industry's only technology platform that unifies owners, operators, brokers, and their customers across the commercial real estate and residential real estate ecosystems. Today, VTS platform is the largest first-party insights and collaboration engine in the industry, transforming how strategic decisions are made and executed by real estate professionals across the globe. With the VTS platform consisting of VTS lease, VTS market, VTS data, and VTS activate, every stakeholder in real estate is given real-time market information and workflow tools to do their job with unparalleled speed and intelligence. For our case study today, um, is around tenant requirements. Um, I'll be sharing problem context followed by challenges, why we chose the AI ML solution along with our results, and finally the future with BTS AI. So what are tenant requirements? Tenant requirements are tenants who are looking for office space in a specific market. So let's take an example here. Sorry for the technical glitch in here. Um, so let's take an example. Uh, say you have a deal for a technology company in Midtown East, touring on October 7th and wanting a 50,000 square foot of Class A office space and another deal in Midtown West for an unspecified technology company for 52,000 square foot of Class A office space. Um, these two deals may look similar and they also can be from a same broker company. A human looking at these two deals can clearly say that they both are actually same, um, basically spread across Manhattan based on the attributes that I just shared, which is a square footage, location, and uh, the type of the space that they're looking for. So why do we need to know about these tenant requirements? The tenant requirements allow us to provide most up-to-date tenant demand insights. So if you're capturing the tenant demands, then why do we link these deals? So we need to link these deals to ensure we don't overstate the demand as the tenants tour multiple buildings of various landlords. To understand the complexity of linking, let's take a look at the tenant data on VTS platform. When it comes to CRE, VTS is uniquely positioned with the most robust first party data into view into the market supply and also the demand trends in the industry. This means VTS has millions of data points related to tenants, tenants in leases, tenants entering the market, tenant negotiations, all centralized in VTS. Getting to that unified holistic view requires us to link tens of millions of records like tenant records, deals, unique monthly requirements across various accounting, broker, and landlord systems into a canonical entity. But the scale here introduces challenges as well. The volume of data that we are processing, the challenges that introduces our first lack of standardization. We need a way to link information across VTS products to derive insights. Data points ingested from any workflow across the different products should be linked, normalized in, to provide a holistic view. Second, with the volume of data we process, operational costs can grow exponentially as VTS scales. Finally, tackling the unification of in CRE is a costly and time-consuming, demanding countless hours of manual effort. AIML allows us to address these challenges while reducing the time to value to produce holistic insights. 
Our ML solution allows us to automate the task of connecting multiple deals to a single tenant requirement and enhance our operational efficiency and data accuracy. We use entity resolution and algorithmic method that unifies these records across different systems. So how does it work? Our ML model comprises of four steps. Step one is pre-processing, where we take the input data and convert it into a machine-readable format. We leverage language, natural language processing in the step, which involves translating deal attributes into token sequences. Step two, the goal of blocking, which is the second step, is to quickly identify a small set of most similar candidate deals for every deal in the data set. This, this task scales very exponentially as we are computing n by n comparisons to find the most similar deals. Where n is large, this becomes an expensive operation. The third step is classification. Given the candidate pairs of deals, we train a gradient-boosted machine learning algorithm to predict the probability that two deals belong to the same requirement. And the fourth step is grouping. So in this final step, we group the deals that the algorithm has predicted into matches to identify all groups of deals belonging to the same requirement. Just to summarize, the model converts input data into machine-readable format, identifies candidate similar deals, predicts the likelihood of a match, and then finally outputs groups of deals which are the same requirements. Our results um, applying the machine learning um, algorithm by leveraging it, we are able to deliver faster customer insights with accuracy. Currently, our algorithm achieves accuracy or achieves an accuracy of 98%, meaning the algorithm is able to match the groups identified by humans 98% of the time, as you can see on the graph towards your right. In the, in the graph, you can see that the human versus the machine, it's exactly trending the same. In addition to accuracy, we are able to enhance the performance by quickly turning the deals into requirements. We are able to deliver faster and able to expand the product into a large number of markets. Finally, with VTS AI, our customers can build the strategy informed by today's market dynamics, powered by the relationship context, all surfaced in the moments that matter. We are focused on leveraging AI in both supporting our business to drive operational efficiency via prompt engineering, generative AI, also building a strong foundation that can deliver delightful experiences to our customers. Thank you, sir. Um, so I do have a couple of questions that I want to run by you. So do you think companies are looking to you and other vendors to integrate AI-based functionality into your product versus just attempting to explore generative AI possibilities on their own? Yeah. When you think of our customers, our customers are on a broad spectrum uh, in, in terms of their ability and sophistication with technology. We believe our more tech-savvy customers will independently explore generative AI on their own while relying on us for large-scale AI-based solutions to stay ahead of the competition. Our focus will be to enable CRE industry at large and our unique data set means the models we train will be highly specialized. Got it. So there's a question actually from the audience that I'll ask you here. Um, so it basically says generative AI has enormous potential 
to assemble, analyze, create actionable knowledge uh, from unstructured or disparate data. Yet the decision to act is a big leap of faith. What areas of commercial real estate um, are possible with smart building deployment points in the near term? And, and if it relates back to VTS, how do you look at it from your perspective? Yeah. Um, so in terms of uh, being able to leverage um, AI within the commercial real estate industry, the emphasis is, is the importance of data, qual data quality right from the data point of ingestion itself to ensure that all the subsequent stages like normalizing it, processing, prediction are not hampered by any quality related challenges. So it's crucial that we take a proactive approach um, which shouldn't hinder any progress to the broader industry within CRE. And the approach from a uh, VTS perspective is to ensure that we are training the right models, training them in a way we're able to provide those unique insights, uh, especially when you think about uh, tenant experience, there are areas around conversational AI where you make that experience uh, really pop out and make the life much more easier and simpler into, into their day-to-day -day activities. Great. Thank you, Swarupa. And I'll, um, you know, I'll, we will have a, a discussion with you and other panelists, uh, you know, in about 10, 15 minutes. Where, you know, after I basically bring uh, the other other uh, few panelists that we have. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Sundar. Thanks. Uh, I will now turn it over to uh, bring on uh, Brittany White. Brittany actually works for Bridge Investment Group. Um, so. Uh, they are actually using a part called as Predict AP. So, everything in real estate accounts payable has been automated, except invoice coding. Coding invoices for approval and payment still relies on manual data entry. It's slow, error prone, and just not scalable. Predict AP was founded by real estate insiders to automate invoice coding. They tried everything else first, OCR, outsourcing, but every solution fell short of actual coding. Predict AP fully automates invoice coding for real estate companies. Unlike other solutions, Predict AP provides fully coded invoices ready for your existing automated AP workflows. It works with your current AP automation system so you can keep the workflow you already trust. Your AP team can review the coded invoices, revise or accept our predictions, and send to your AP workflow with one click. Get your AP team out of the data entry business and onto higher value work. Automate invoice coding with Predict AP. Um, my name is Brittany White and I am Vice President of Technology Applications with Bridge Investment Group. Bridge Investment Group is a leading vertically integrated real estate investment manager diversified across specialized asset classes. We, um, today I'm here to present about a business challenge um, that we were facing and that I am sure anyone else that is in the industry also faces. And that is the simple process of AP processing. Um, the AP lifecycle in real estate can be very, very painful. All companies have to pay bills, and we all know that the, that process can be time consuming. 
It's very knowledge intensive and it's not something that is easily outsourced. It is um, something that is also hard to scale. It's easy to have inaccurate data. It's easy to get overwhelmed with the volume. And so our team had to figure a way out to address this head on. Um, we started where we were just manually going through the process of processing invoices. From there, we um, ultimately enforced workflows within PayScan. Um, this workflow process was a huge step in the right direction because it streamlined our approvals for paying invoices. But we still faced the challenge of coding, of manually keying in those invoices into the system and the amount of time it took and the amount of errors that just happened from being human. Our firm knew of Predict AP from a previous relationship and we decided to give it a try. We were very skeptical, but we realized very early on that this was not the typical project. We could, could we really use AI to figure out a diverse and complicated coding um, and crazy rules that could actually scale? Predict AP's powered invoice capture solution to automate invoice ingestion, coding, and reducing the need for manual entry set the standard. Their two-way data sync with Yardi was a game changer. They were able to um, take an invoice from coding as long as it goes through the process, and we were able to make changes throughout the entire history of that workflow cycle. And the next time we came to pay those invoices, that AI was able to review everything that we had done, all the changes, and accurately and correctly update their predictions based on those changes. Predict AP delivered what they promised and compared to past technology implementations that we did not use AI for, it was a game changer. Um, Predict AP has allowed us to, to be pulled out of the weeds and truly elevate our company and our review of the AP process timing. The program um, has been a game changer for our property managers and our payables team. We estimate that there is a 66% time savings, um, allowing our managers to get back and be client facing in front of our tenants and actually manage their properties, as well as um, elevating the review of payables and accuracy, um, resulting in fewer reclasses and errors down the road. Thanks, Brittany, uh, for actually walking us through your case study there. So I, have to, I do have a couple of questions uh, that, you know, hopefully we can be able to chat. You know, what would be your advice um, to any company that's looking to make a business case uh, to internally use AI? And specifically in your case, how did, you know, what would be, you know, how did you go about uh, looking at Predict AP uh, from your perspective? AI is redefining how companies and customers connect. I think the business case is very simple. Will it automate our current business practices? Can we gain additional insights on the data to improve our business decisions? And can we improve our interactions between our employees and our customers? To make sure that it's the right technology for your business, you need to also remember 
that you need to know what the problem is that you are trying to solve. Um, I would say one of the biggest successes that we had when we rolled out Predict AP was we chose to have a pilot group to roll out this program before rolling it across the entire interaction or organization. Um, this allowed us to make sure bugs were worked out and to have a proof of concept to prove the technology and the value that it has. Right. And, um, you know, why did you think that Predict API, uh, Predict AI was the right solution for your invoice coding problem? Uh, you know, there are other solutions out there in the marketplace too. So why Predict AI? Um, I would say Predict AP, uh, the number one kind of seller for me personally was the fact that it integrated and it is an approved um, vendor with Yardi. So their two-way data sync that sends the information from both Predict AP to Yardi and Yardi back to Predict AP allowed us to truly have faith and believe that as um, the AI changed and as the technology evolves, they were going to be able to continue to adjust their strategy accordingly and um, continue to have valuable um, predictions and accuracy. Great. Uh, one last question. Um, you know, now that you actually implemented a single, uh, you know, a particular AI solution into your uh, into your workspace. Are there any other plans on your on your horizon to actually look at other solutions where you can be able to implement to get more business value for your internal customers? Yes, we are always looking for ways to improve our business practices. And we know that AI is going to be a game changer for our company and anyone in the real estate industry. As a whole, our company is prioritizing figuring out AI solutions. AI seems to be focused on around client-facing and decision-making teams. But I feel like for my team specifically, um, there is a lot of value in focusing our AI solutions and our research in AI solutions to ways that it can build out internal trainings um, and help our company and employees specifically have a better experience while working day to day. Great. Thank you, Brittany, and uh, you know, thank you for your time. Uh, basically, I'll bring you back uh, and the in the final panelists uh, when we when we all get together to tackle some other questions that the audience will uh, will provide to us. So, so thanks. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, last but not the least, I basically do want to actually invite uh, Jose Castro. Um, Jose works uh, for Mapped, um, so I'll turn it over to you, uh, Jose. Hi there. Yeah, thanks, Sundar. Uh, hi, everyone. And uh, yeah, first wanted to give um, a big thank you to the rest of the folks that have presented. Um, you know, I'm, I'm leaving this session really inspired uh, by all the great work and, and advancements um, uh, that really have just come about recently uh, using AI uh, to kind of propel our industry forward. So thanks, everyone. Um, so uh, by way of introduction, I'm, uh, I'm Jose DeCastro. Uh, prior to joining MAPT as Chief Technology Officer, I was at uh, Cisco, specifically on the WebEx team. And um, uh, I oversaw most of the WebEx underlying platforms, so everything but the client application that you, you know, would use to make video calls and share your screen. And in that capacity, oversaw many AI initiatives, uh, including, you know, ethical application of uh, uh, computer vision, uh, access to calendar data, social graphs, and all of the other wealth of information that Cisco has about kind of the people, places, and things in these environments. Um, and I left that experience feeling um, 
a little scared, um, but also mostly optimistic about the use of these technologies to kind of make us more productive and safer. Uh, and in the four years since joining MAPT, you know, we've applied, um, you know, many AI algorithms to what we do. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about MAPT. MAPT is uh, an independent data layer that brings together data about all of the people, places, and things inside of your environments. And this could be commercial real estate buildings, stadiums, data centers, campuses. Uh, so while companies like Yardi and, and um, uh, Proficient and some of the other uh, folks that have presented are focused with uh, elements outside of the environment, leasing data, environmental factors, and um, you know, kind of macroeconomic trends, uh, we're focused with uh, everything that's inside of the building. So um, if you want to progress to the next slide, please. Great. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we have a technology-based platform uh, and an on-prem gateway that pulls all of the data about your environment in real time. So within four hours of deploying MAPT, we automatically scan your internal building networks and discover all of your major pieces of equipment. That could be things like Wi-Fi access points, elevators, heating and cooling systems, electrical meters. And we bring all of that data together into one place by extracting it securely into the cloud and making it available to all the relevant stakeholders that you see up on the slide here. Now, we use AI in every aspect of that pipeline. Uh, we have a great, uh, uh, some really great content on the website if you want to follow up and look into the technical details. You can also check out our blog uh, where our engineers post regularly on kind of the algorithms and the, tech and the techniques that we use. Um, next slide, please. Um, but our, our main pipeline looks kind of like this. So first step is uh, we use um, AI and machine learning uh, algorithms at the edge to figure out what types of systems we want to scan for. And our gateway, which sits at the edge, speaks a number of different legacy protocols, things like BACnet, KNX, Modbus. Um, we also integrate natively with all of the major BMS systems that are out there. Um, and we then compress and do an initial filtering of that data and send it up to our cloud. That's the middle step that you see there in the middle. And that is uh, probably the hardest part because we need to synthesize all of the data that we're seeing at the edge from all of this equipment, from calendaring systems, CMMS, asset registries, and synthesize that into a single easy to use format. And we do that by initially classifying the data that we're seeing. We use machine learning and AI for that step. Um, and then we organize that data into a single data model. Um, so we use Brick Schema as our foundation. Uh, Jason Coe, who is uh, our chief data scientist here at MAPT, he was one of the founders and co-creators of Brick while he was getting his PhD at UC San Diego, um, has, has been working on this problem for a little over a decade uh, using machine learning and AI as well. Uh, now, uh, you know, the reason I'm walking you through this pipeline is, uh, you know, I think Jim, Jim, when he uh, kicked us off, talked about kind of the history of AI and how there was this big lull in adoption. And I think a big part of that is the creepy factor. You know, folks are concerned that as the data gets filtered and refined uh, through these pipelines, we lose fidelity and we lose the ability to understand and reason about um, and, and trust uh, in the data that comes out the other end. And that's why at MAPT, we've taken great care throughout that pipeline to track and make available to our customers the provenance of the data. So if you ask MAPT, 
what was the average occupancy or air quality of my lobby over the past seven days. We'll take all of the sensors and signals that we use to synthesize that result and make those available to you um, if you'd like. So we expose things like the algorithms that were used, the confidence levels that were applied by our algorithms, and the source systems that we use to synthesize that final result. So if all you want is just an answer to that very simple question, we can get that to you, but you can always dig under the covers and figure out um, where the data came from, at what confidence, and whether AI was used to produce that result. Um, I think I'll leave it there since we have uh, the panel coming up next. Um, and uh, yeah, please visit us on map.com if you want any more details. So Jose, before I bring the panel in, I'll, I'll basically ask one question I think that I had asked earlier. Um, and this basically relates to a question that someone had asked earlier in, in the chat session. And it basically talked about, you know, it's a big leap of faith for an individual uh, based on all the data elements that you're capturing, and then basically, how do you act on that, right? So, so what what's the uh, thing that Map is the Map is doing with regards to that particular question? Yeah, uh, it's a great question, uh, and uh, it's it's a complicated answer. But the at the at the end of the day, I think transparency is the key, and that's what we've integrated directly into our product. So while a lot of, you know, some other vendors out there, they say, okay, well, we have this human assisted quality assurance process. That process is still a pretty much a black box to a lot of uh, their customers. You know, we've taken a different approach where we, we essentially just open up those details directly inside the product. So using our API, you can inspect, um, uh, you know, the, the entire pipeline through and through the provenance of the data, what algorithms were used and how confident our systems are in the answer. And you can make the choice yourself whether to trust that data or not. Um, and of course, we're always evolving. We're always taking feedback from customers and, um, and trying to do better. Um, yeah, so please uh, please re reach out if you have a, an interesting use case. Um, and, uh, and also, yeah, check out the blog and, and some of the other materials we have online on kind of the technical process that we use for, for doing everything I just said. Got it. Awesome. So um, given that, I think, um, you know, I'll basically bring the whole panel together and then uh, we can be able to um, have a quick uh, conversation uh, based on some of the questions that the team may, uh, the people on the call may have heard. Uh, and then, uh, you know, any uh, anything that the uh, that the audience is looking to be, to get answered, I think now will, now will be the time there. So. Given that, I'll basically have all the panel come back on and then we can have a, a good conversation. Awesome. Great, thanks. Um, so, Jose, I'll start with you. And I think uh, what I could do is, uh, you know, given that you were the last one, I, I did get a question that, you know, I thought I will ask you with regards to that. Um, you know, how does MAP assist uh, companies with data cleanup? Uh, governance in the phase one of their deployment? Yeah, great question. Um, so we have a, a few different ways. Uh, I'll kind of give you the, the abridged uh, answer here just to be cautious of time. Um, so we, we pull data from the edge, so from your environments, and we bring it into the cloud. Um, we're hosted on Azure, and so we use a lot of Azure native technologies, including Azure ML and, and some of the open API algorithms that they provide in a single tenanted environment to organize and classify the data. And we provide transparency on that step. Um, but we also have the ability to share in real time data uh, and stream live normalized data to 
um, wherever our customers are. So we have what we call destination connectors for Grafana, Splunk, um, most open source databases, and a bunch of Azure native tools that customers can use to analyze and provide their own business rules and filtering on top of that data, um, you know, based on the, the transparency that, that we provide there. Uh, you know, great example is we have a, a chain of hospitals that are using, using data coming out of MAPT to provide real-time analytics on operating rooms, operating room conditions, so temperatures and humidities. You need to be able to trust that data if you're dispatching work orders in real time to service those environments. Um, uh, and so we've, we've partnered very closely with them to kind of refine our models, provide that feedback loop, and give them the confidence that they need to, to take action. Okay. Thanks, uh, thanks, Jose. Um, this would have, um, you know, I'll, I'll pose the next question to you. I think, uh, do you think companies are looking to you and other vendors to integrate AI-based functionality into your product versus attempting to start something on their own? Yeah, I think, Sundar, we covered this question earlier, so my response is in the same vein. Um, our customers are in a broad, broad spectrum when it comes to technology adoption. So. Um, we'll definitely see customers who are independently going to try out um, the technology-based solutions, but at the same time, they'll be leaning more on VTS um, in terms of um, bringing in unique solutions uh, at a larger scale, AI-based uh, uh, offerings that we can bring back to them. So our focus okay. overall has been around, um, you know, giving that highly specialized uh, value uh, through the different data sets that we own and we process on our system back to them. Okay, and uh, in your case study, you did talk about like something about like with regards to tenant efforts, right? So how much, how might your recent efforts to buy tenants to renegotiate the lease agreements based on the impact of the hybrid work create high degrees of uncertainty in any of your AI modeling that you're doing? And how does AI modeling help with uh, predict such kind of an impact. Yeah, the effectiveness of any model is directly tied to the quality of data they get trained on. And you know, virtually today, there's no model that exists that would have foreseen the large-scale shift culturally in terms of towards hybrid work. So that being said, as time passes by, I think our models will learn from the new work patterns um, that we are adopting. And we'll be able to provide better models, benchmarking tools, and predictive analytics to empower the future lease negotiations. The strength of AI or any data science lies in the ability to uh, measure that uncertainty, the risk um, that can level the playing field between you know, prospective tenants and the asset managers in that wider market. Definitely, yeah. Thanks. So there's a question from the audience. I think I will. Uh... Uh, Gary, you can probably answer this particular question. Um, you know, for the, uh, you know, AI covers a lot of like, you know, a wide range of technology solutions, you know, from a predictive analytics that are forward looking versus historical, which is data focused, you know, something that Gen AI and others are looking at, right? So, um, you know, yet many real estate aspects are still, still data deserts. Um, so, you know, bad data, incomplete data, in some cases, no data at all. So what areas of commercial real estate do you think are hot spots for these lesser known AI techniques? 
Yeah, I mean, we've uh, we're, we're very fortunate in the fact that our, our we've spent the last ten years uh, really populating and, and and streamlining our data flow. So our data is is, is very very good. Um, where we've uh, as an IT organization, we when AI came out, we already knew a lot of business problems. So um, AI was the tool that fit that that business problem. So we were able to take some use cases uh, and and start proof of concepts right away on those specific business problems. Um, but to answer the question where 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 some of the low hanging fruit is, and this is what we've challenged our AI champions with, um, is is really just in some of the mundane tasks and, and being able to use AI for that. Um, everybody wants to come up with the silver bullet, the, the big idea that's going to just you know change the way that we do business. Um, but but sometimes the, the opportunity lies in the low hanging fruit. So I challenged our, our AI champions group with uh, with the question, if you had a personal assistant, because I think that's what a lot of these AI models are going to be. They're going to be the co-pilots, the, the assistants within the applications. Um, if you had a personal assistant that did nothing but help you 40 hours a week, what would you have them do? Get the garbage off of your plate, let you focus on the more strategic decisions and and use AI to, to do that for you. So I think that's where a lot of this, uh, where this opportunity lies. Got it. Um, Jeremy, from, from your perspective, you know, you're basically in the forefront and uh, in doing some of these things. You know, what advice would you give, you know, CRI, you know, commercially listed professionals, um, you know, looking ahead, like, you know, where, uh, you know, how they can be able to leverage AI and data analytics to enhance the decision-making process. Yeah, I'll probably just piggyback on a lot of what Jim said to really start this. And um, he, he speaks to lots of owners across the board, uh, large and small. And I think the thing that is, um, that the common thread is a lot of people are just paralyzed in how to get started. Um, and with AI, as Gary just said, this could be one of the great AI could be one of the greatest tools for productivity and elevating kind of quality decision making. My advice and what we see with customers, they don't always choose us as their top priority in, in managing their portfolio lease data, but figure out like what's either like soaking up the most time from your team or how, where are your asset values most impacted. And really, you're just trying to choose something that everyone can rally around. Um, that if it works, it really has a really great impact. I think the big thing is like, don't boil the ocean. Uh, I think we speak to a lot of folks and they're trying to make everything perfect right away. Start small, like uh, just get started and something that people can rally around it. And I think the two things is like, if it's successful, that's great. Like you found something that works in, but I think the other thing that people don't think about is that all the things that you learn for the testing out this AI application or project, a lot of that learning will just go to the next thing that you end up working on. So it's not something that was a couple months worth of effort all to be abandoned for nothing. Um, and I think a lot of the customers we speak with, and again, we speak across publicly traded REITs all the way down to local mom and pops, and fir firms get nervous about the risk of making the wrong decision um, when it comes to implementing you know, new AI tech or processes. But I think the, what I'll, I'll pose the other question to them is like, what's the risk and impact of doing nothing? Um, and start to think about that as well. And again, that goes back to, it doesn't have to boil the ocean today, but just start and do something. Um, yeah, that's so, what we see a lot of value. Thanks, Jimmy. And then Josh, what are you seeing? You know, like you know, you talked about how Visa has invested so much money into AI and other things. So, what do you think, like the future trends and innovation that you're seeing at Visa? You know, where this money is being spent on? You know, you know, where do you think, from 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 our industry perspective, where the future trends look like? Hey, we're going to be using it more and more inside of Visa on the payment network, as you can see in the information that we've shared publicly. 
um, in articles about what Visa does with AI. Um, and we're going to be using it internally, like the things I, I was sharing about. And the, the point I would call out, which kind of hits a little bit on what Jeremy and Gary have just said, is that when we look at being able to use something like generative AI, you might feel kind of like you're cheating. You know, you're getting a little bit of a free information and, and something's gathered. You're, you're, you're cheating a little bit. Like if, but this isn't, this isn't a, an exam in college or high school. You're actually able to use this tool uh, to your advantage, just like using um, manual pruning shears and then a, an electrical hedge trimmer is not cheating for a landscaper. Using the more advanced tool when appropriate is actually the thing that you ought to be doing. And, um, and we ought to be getting to know these tools and familiar with them, how to speak and interact with the AI so that it is most productive for us. And, um, and then sharing what we've learned from it. Because um, what will happen in companies and teams that don't adopt this, and this is just a word of caution, is, is y'all be left behind. You'll be using manual pruning shears when everybody else is using electric hedge trimmers. And you don't want to be doing that. You want to be out there figuring out how to use this and let everyone on your team choose when they're going to use the head shears, the, the, the hand shears or the, um, the electronic device. Because we, we as humans still have to do the part of interacting and collaborating with our team. And, and that's a really important thing is that we interact and collaborate um, and use the tool uh, cohesively together as, as a group. Great, thanks, thanks, Josh. And Brittany, last question for you, uh, because I don't see any more uh, questions that are coming through from the, uh, you know, from from the audience here. So, um, the question I have for you is basically, you know, what are the challenges, and you know, as you go through implementing a AI solution, you know, what are the things that you know others who are looking in, trying to look at a solution that's basically there. You know, how do you go about you know picking a right solution that maps to your needs? Well, so um, with any implementation of technology, there's going to be challenges. It doesn't matter what it is that you're implementing. You are changing the process and procedures and, and tasks of what your employees are doing day to day, and that obviously um, comes with a little bit of resistance. Um, I think that going into making these changes and and you know taking this path and, and taking this leap of faith in a way because a lot of people don't understand ai um, it is making sure that you have your clear objectives it is making sure that you have evaluated all the technology stack um, getting a proof of concept data quality and and ultimately making sure that there is a cost benefit um, once you have done all of that making sure that it's scalable if you are going to implement a program and it's not scalable with AI or not, it's not going to succeed. If it doesn't succeed, that failure is going to make you learn and you're going to grow from that. Um, but it's, it's you know, those things I think are, are challenges that you face going into it and, and that you have to have ideas about what you're going to do and how you're going to get over them throughout that process. Great. Thank you, Brittany. And, um... Uh, you know, any any last words for the uh, for the uh, for the audience that's actually listening in? So um, that the team wants to bring up, uh, you know, as to how they would go about um, going through their particular AI journey. Uh, 
Um, you know, Swarupa, anything from your perspective, you guys are doing a lot in that particular space. Um, you're one of the leaders, so I'll, I'll uh, hand it over to you for the last word there. Swarupa, I think you must be on mute there, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, in terms of the, the future of AI in CRE, I think it will re revolve more around um, having those most domain-specific, unique, high-quality data sets to train our AI models with the best data, right? The efficacy of generative AI, it will play a key role in surfacing the insights to our clients and also enhancing both our internal operational efficiencies as well. Um, and the ability to leverage all of that real-time data to bring that predictive benchmarking models um, that can assist our clients to make those well-informed decisions for the different complex scenarios is going to be um, something that I'm more excited about. Okay. Thank you. So thanks, Chuck, and uh, I'll hand it over to you uh, to do the final honors there. All right. Thank you all so much. You got it. Did, it was great. The time just flew by, didn't it? It was just amazing. Yeah, so uh, thank you to all our panelists. We had a few more questions come in. Obviously, we're not going to be able to get to those, but I will send them to this panel and they can reply directly to the people who've asked them. So uh, great questions about the use of, of AI in a lot of different areas. And uh, with uh, I think with uh, chatbots, I think uh, Josh and Gary, maybe what I should do is tell the people, if you want to know the answers to those questions, you need to go to Buildings AI. They can talk to you directly. So uh, that's probably a good prompt for that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Thank you again. Uh, great contributions. Thank you to our sponsors, our live audience for participating so well. Uh, whether you've joined us live or you're watching this as a recording, thank you for tuning in and be sure to register. We've got a December webinars coming up. Uh, that's a look back at this year. We've got a great panel for, for that on the, both the enterprise side as well as uh, the, uh, the built environment side, the operations side. Um, and then I also want to encourage you, again, to make your plans for Realcom's Cortec and Buildings AI Conference coming up in Crown Plaza at the Palo Alto in California. That's November 15th and 16th, just a couple of weeks from today. Um, do visit realcom.com for more details on the agenda, the topics, the speakers, hotels, and be sure and use the promo code. I did send it out to our live audience. It's CT, as in Cortec23, Web1, at CT23, WEB1, and there's restrictions apply, um, but uh, you, if you're going to make your reservation, you can get a nice discount, and, and, and that'll be uh, exceptional there. The purpose of that, again, thinking about what Jim said earlier, this idea about sharing in the community, it came up during the discussion as well. I think, Josh, you mentioned this idea of sharing. People don't have to reinvent the wheel and step on the same landmines that you guys did, right? Why not share the information, share it through educational opportunities like this, share it through Buildings AI, share it through the AI advisory group, become part of that, and uh, let's advance commercial real estate industry together in this incredible environment. So um, that's it for us. Again, thank you to our great sponsors and uh, uh, for all the people that are tuned in, all the Realcom followers. These educational webinars are just so much fun to put together and build that community and build that sharing. So that's it for us. Thanks again. We'll see you next time in December.